At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, if you haven't heard about WebmasterRadio.fm's mobile app for iPhone and Android, you got to listen up. This is amazing. You can now get not just CEO Coach, but every Webmaster Radio show on your mobile device. Go to iTunes to download or the Android app stores. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on our new mobile app. Hope to see you there. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. Now, here to get you started is your CEO coach, Jillian Musig. Welcome to CEO Coach, this wonderful foggy sun, uh, Monday morning. This is Jim Music, and I'm going to talk today about the Founder's Dilemmas. It's written by Noam Wasserman. I just found the book recently, and I was pretty impressed. I'm going to suggest that folks read this book. Again, Noam, N-O-A-M, Wasserman, W-A-S-S-E-R-M-A-N, The Founder's Dilemmas. And it's about um, anticipating and avoiding some of the real challenges of startup. The reason I was impressed by Noam's book is that it talks about the issues that one should consider before founding a company in a very clear manner. And I'm going to take a little bit and piece out of the book, uh, here and there and so on, and talk about those issues today. And then I strongly suggest... You get a hold of the book. Obviously, it's on Amazon.com, but anywhere you like to buy books. So the founder's dilemma, he starts with a concept of when to start. And I rarely hear this discussed. So I would say that if you're looking at whether or not it's time to start your company, here are three really good questions to ask. And Noam covers every one of them in depth. One, is the market ready? Is the world ready for your idea? Often, I see companies with ideas who are either way, way ahead of their time, and so it's not really product stuff that's so way ahead of the time at this point, but perhaps service offerings and so on, way ahead of their time, and they struggle for so many years. Many of them do go bankrupt and uh, close doors, and then later the same idea comes up, and uh, they wonder, you know, well, boy, I did that, and I did it first. How come it didn't work? The answer was the market was not ready. So is the market ready for your idea is a really important question. When I uh, started SEO Moz with Rand, Rand had looked at this concept of SEO and he started with sharing ideas. 
And when he felt that the market was ready, after several years of SEOmoz.org existing, just as a free resource of information in which the conversation was being built there on the web, right? Just putting that out, right? It was time for somebody to have a place where this conversation around SEO could happen. But then later, it became evident that it was now the right time for SEO products to exist. There were a lot of SEO service providers. Then there were a lot of SEOs who were getting really good at the game, who were talking about it. And those are two different things, because there were some really seriously good black hat SEOs way back in the late 90s, right? And certainly in the early aughts, but not a whole lot of people talking about it up front and center in terms of what we would call white hat SEO. In other words, uh, SEO for the general mainstream corporation rather than SEO for private projects or even for, if you will, black hat projects. So that was the second thing. And then the third thing was whether or not it was time, in other words, enough SEOs existed doing regular kind of standard SEO work for mom and pop companies to major enterprises that needed some tools to make their business and their work faster and more efficient. That was the product stuff. So first, does the, the market exist at all? Second of all, are they talking about it now? And third of all, are there enough performing whatever it is that you need people to be doing? And then finally, do they need a product that you could offer them? Or are you somewhere along that earlier stage? Are you serving somebody rather than ser uh, selling a product? Okay. Once you know those things, then the market is ready. So after several years of SEOmoz.org existing and the conversation going on, then we had created some tools around our own workflow and so on, and then we shared a little bit of that. Some of them were free. And when we saw enough engagement around that, then we figured, okay, now not only is it getting expensive, we can no longer afford to give it away, right? But it, it, there were some things that were maybe even more valuable than that, and we offered it for a few bucks. And after a few months of that we realized, oh, yeah, there's a whole lot of people in here. In a few months, there were well over 100 folks who wanted to have access to the things we were offering. And some of them were pro guides. They were just knowledge pieces. And some of them were tools where we said, you know, these are the pro tools. They cost us a little more to actually operate, so we're going to have to cost, you know, charge folks to make use of them. But from those very simple tests, we were able to determine that the market was ready. Is your market ready? What do you have to do to determine that it's done? Sometimes that's not an overnight decision. Make sure you really do test that market. The second thing is about the survival funds. That's a very internal question and, again, somehow rarely asked. I know so many CEOs and, and senior uh, members of startup companies who are worried about their own money. They are already borrowing money. They're living with other folks, you know, and so on. The question is, do you have your survival funds? That would be a real good question to ask. Have you put money aside? Can you live with someone else and they bring home the paycheck? And are they okay with that for a while, be it your spouse, your significant other, or some other place, maybe your folks even, right? How long do those survival funds last? Do you have an agreement with spouse, significant others, parents, friends, whatever, about how long this will go on before you give it up and go back to work if it doesn't work out? So figure those kinds of things out. Make sure you have a clear understanding of how long a, a rope you have to make this thing build and build properly. And then is the funding market right? 
If you need funds and cannot bootstrap your own startup, if you absolutely need investment, take a look at the investments being made in your sector. And again, this is stuff that would go back to my experience, you know, at Moz personally uh, with Rand and so on. It, when we were raising funds, the first time we weren't even looking. Somebody was, you know, breathing down our neck, and several folks would be doing that. And finally, we accepted the money rather than sought it. And, you know, boy, were we just brilliant as hell, right? I mean, we're so good that other people want it. Yeah, nonsense. When we looked back at it later, right, there is a graph that Rand published that points out that the time that we were funded in 07 and so on, that was the most, you know, the highest point of funding available since, you know, early uh, aughts and 1990-something, uh, right? I mean, it was just somehow that was the right moment. There were lots of things being funded, and they were being funded in our sector. So are you riding a curve? Are lots of folks getting funded? Are you in a sector where everybody's just real excited? You know, for a while it was all about social, then it's about mobile, then it's about big data, then it's about, you know, some other sector. What sector are you in? What's exciting? What's sexy today to those people who are giving the money? And do you need angel funds or VC funds? And are they both excited about the same thing? Not always. And where in the country or around the world are these things being funded? Would you pick up and move? Find out about the funding market. Is it right? This is Jillian Music at CEO Coach. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other questions and elements of this very interesting book by Noam Wasserman, The Founder's Dilemmas. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate display media or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. 
Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. This is Bruce Clay, one of the hosts of SEM Synergy, the show about achieving synergy in your search marketing efforts. SEM Synergy, on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. We're talking about The Founder's D- Dilemma by Noam Wasserman. Fascinating book I've just discovered and uh, hoping that if you haven't yet discovered it, you'll go check that out. Um, he talks about a number of things that uh, founders can do to improve their own likelihood for success. Uh, this has nothing to do with outside stuff. It's about asking the right questions first and then launching at the right time with the right team at the right way. So the first thing was, is the market ready? Do you have funds for survival and how long? And does everybody have a clear understanding on anybody you might be relying on for those funds or supports? And finally, is the funding market also right if you need money to start up? Once you figure that out, you'll know whether you have a real good shot at this or whether it's going to be an uphill battle all the way. Then you can make wiser decisions about whether this is the right time for you to start a company. Now let's talk about the team. This solo versus team, right? Which one attracts investors? In general, I hear that investors, especially angel groups, uh, will ask you immediately about your team. But then again, so will VCs. So if you're starting even with smaller amounts of funding at the investor uh, angel stage or seed stage, everybody wants to know, so who's your team, Right? That means that it's really difficult to do this as a solo. I know a number of entrepreneurs who have asked me to mentor them, and when they are solo entrepreneurs, it's kind of their biggest kept secret. Right? On the flip side of that, I would say that sometimes they have a team and don't even realize it. Your team is not defined by a group of people who sit in a room with you in the same city, in the same place, in the same building, and so on. They may be very disparate. They may be paid with a 1099 form, in other words, outsourced. They may be paid with a wing and a prayer that they'll have a seat at the table at your company when it's finally funded, but this is your team. If you've got somebody developing your website, another person uh, writing copy for you, a third person helping with marketing, a fourth person doing whatever the heck it is, whatever they do, this is your team. Nobody cares how you pay them today even if you've hired them all separately, even if they are in different time zones, even if they don't work uh, in the same place. But you should think of them as a team, and from a strategic viewpoint in terms of building your business effectively, your team should know each other. Make sure you've got Google Hangouts going or you know conference calls or whatever so that they do physically get to know each other. They know where each one of them is coming from, what each one is thinking about the development of whatever it is you're building, and how they all fit together. Someday they may all be working in the same place at the same time. And even if they never do, and you decide not to hire any of them full time, you will understand the process of managing a team that is holistically put together. It's a whole lot better than everybody working in a silo. So remember, your team is anybody working on a project. Make sure that you make them understand that, that they all get to know each other, and that you list them appropriately so that when you go to people who are funders, investors, and so on, that you can tell them this is your team. All right. Next, relationships. 
That was a really interesting one to me and one that I hadn't thought of frequently at all. The relationships, who should you build this company with? Should it be friends, family, prior colleagues, strangers? And how do you manage these relationships in the business? Each one of us has a different answer to that. But as you think about the people with whom you would like to establish a business, think more deeply about not just their skill set, but perhaps their lifestyle, perhaps their work style, the hours they choose to work, how they like to communicate, and so on, especially if you're forming a company with two co-founders, right? co-founders of equal stature. One of you will take a CEO role or a COO role or CMO. or the, That's not the issue. The question really is, are you going in with just about a 50-50 going on here? Are you taking in a few minor partners and you're keeping one piece of it? That kind of thing. But when you do that, do you all agree on how you discuss things? If one of you is a bombastic shouter, really kind of digs in with, you know, shouting and screaming and, and forcing the issue in your way and so on and so forth, that kind of thing. And the other one is really a quiet communicator and does not manage that kind of conversation in, you know, big, loud shouting terms comfortably, then you have a real problem. So think about that carefully. How do you communicate? And can you communicate in ways that work for everybody? Just because you might have, you know, a big loud shouter uh, type negotiator and a very quiet type negotiator doesn't mean you can't work together, but it does mean that you have to put down some ground rules. So Noam suggests that you create a disaster plan. What happens in the event that things cannot be worked out at all? Who gets what? Who leaves with what? Uh, what happens to stock and options and things like that? Uh, voting rights, etc. Clear that one out first and make it advantageous to the corporate structure that remains behind. Okay? He who cannot stay with a company must kind of give up an awful lot to leave the company. It's called skin in the game. The company must go on and survive. Think about how you put that together, and everybody has to survive by those rules. And the next piece would be to write your own form of a Geneva Convention, if you will. I like that reference in the book. Uh, he says to force hard conversations. I would agree. Force these tough disagreements, and then again, describe how you will disagree. That's especially important if you have different conversation and communication styles. So force this issue by writing some rules of engagement. And if that includes nobody shouts, well, then that's going to have to be the issue. Even if your general predilection is to shout, you're going to learn not to. Because that would unsettle and unbalance the conversation for others whom you're founding with. And that would be harmful to the company. So decide what you're going to put up with, what you're going to give up, what others are going to give up, and how everyone will bend for the benefit of the corporate structure itself. And then finally, when you do have these really tough disagreements, whether you have trouble with communication style or not, there may be tough disagreements, you know, going one way or another, pivoting or, you know, changing things, who knows what. Involve a referee. I have often been asked to be that referee between founding partners and sometimes even between a CEO and some of the senior or her senior uh, management team just so that 
there is this conversational uh, bridge in which all the parties can understand where everybody's coming from, come to an agreement in which each one feels valued and each one feels like they can put their shoulder back to the wheel and get on with the same pushing in the same direction. So really important stuff. And then finally, the question around teams would be what roles and what positions should be taken and given away at startup. Certainly, if you have a co-founder or even two co-founders, go figure out which of you, you know, where you're going to sit on the C team, if you will. You're all going to be officers of this company, right? It's all your problem and your job and your money behind it and all that kind of thing. So figure that out. But as you do that, I would counsel if you have a, you know, a single CEO just building a team and so on, certainly consider not giving away those C-suite positions too soon. Having somebody who heads up this team or heads up that team is one thing. Someone who manages team A and team B is another thing, right? But giving away the C-suite is really a different piece. If you expect your company to grow significantly, the very first people in the door are not necessarily the people who can take the company to the next level. Individual contributors are required at the earliest stage. This does not make them good managers at the second stage. They may not wish to be. So again, early on, think about having individual contributors' rewards and management contributors' rewards. They are two different skill sets, and they are not necessarily uh, you know, the same kind of compensation and so on, but they should be compensated properly. So make sure that you have that in place and you've thought about it mindfully. And then finally, wait to give away the C-suite positions until your company is large enough to take on people with the kind of credentials, because they're more expensive, with the kind of credentials and experience that you need to take your company to that next level. Don't give away the C-suite too soon. And divvying up equity. There is an interesting conversation that many folks don't uh, discuss early enough. And uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about how to divvy up a bit of equity at the beginning and give yourself enough fluid, uh, you know, wiggle room to sort out what happens next. This is Jillian Nusik at CEO Coach. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. 
Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, Grab your mouse and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. On demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. We're talking about how to think about starting your uh, new company in ways that most people don't from the inside out. So we've covered a number of things around uh, when to start and the team, and we were talking about rewarding issues, right? How to divvy up equity. I generally counsel, if at all possible, to make it an inequitable, right, or unequal, that's not inequitable is the wrong term, unequal uh, divvying of that equity. And here's why. There should be somebody in charge. If you and a colleague really have discovered an idea together and have built it side by side and so on and so forth, so it really is this 50-50, you're going to have to sort out who gets to be the CEO and who gets to make decisions. If that doesn't have to go with an uneven amount of financial equity in the company, that's just fine. But think about a number of issues uh, that might change it and how you might think about equity to make it a little easier. Generally, you would say with an equal partner, you go 50-50. That makes good sense, 50-50. But if you do something where you can say even 51-49 or 60-40, that kind of thing, well, that's great if there are unequal amounts of money, time, effort, ability, and so on put into the project. If not... Then consider this. Each one of you take maybe 30%, 35%. The rest of it kind of goes in a central pot that at this time will not be, uh, you know, divvied up. You can still have, if you will, that 50-50 uh, voting power. So you still have to sort that out. You still have to say, look, one of us is going to take the lead position and it will be kind of my way or the highway at the last call. One will advise the other will be the leader. You'll have to figure that out between you very carefully and even put it on paper before you begin. Otherwise, all kinds of problems start to happen. And uh, in this book, by the way, uh, by uh, Noam Wasserman, you'll find an example that is really severe and you can see how that all plays out. So what I'm suggesting is that you each take a smaller piece of the stock in the uh, beginning, put the other part in a central pot, and certainly if the company sells early, you simply divvy up the pot again. It's the same thing. But over time, you're giving that the piece of the remaining equity away to other people, and perhaps one of you will also earn out more 
from that pot. Therefore, in the end, you may have unequal shares with your partner. You or the other partner may have more because you could say, for example, somebody who brings in a million-dollar contract will get one extra share or who knows what you decide, you know, whatever that is. Those pieces of equity might be given for achievement of certain goals. Once you determine what those goals might be, you might find yourself with unequal access, if you will, to the end uh, result of the financial value of the corporation. The most important piece to divvy up is going to be the decision-making. It's difficult for CEOs to give up power, so I would suggest you don't do things that says, I'll be the CEO for one year, you be the CEO for the next year, and I'll be the CEO. That doesn't work. First of all, you're flipping back and forth between visions, perhaps. You don't have a single face to the company. Uh, the imbalance and, and change and so on would not be good for either investors or for the general market, so don't do it. And then finally, the question about compensation of hiring now and in the future. The early folks in the door certainly get a larger piece of equity than the later folks coming in the door. The reason is simple. The early folks, you'll generally have to pay a whole lot less than they would ordinarily make. They're putting their skin in the deal by saying they're not going to take either a paycheck or most of a paycheck. If that's the case and you're really paying them just a bit, you give them a piece of equity and it goes with the game. That's great. And by the way, that will help you not to take in other investment too early in the game. It will give you a longer financial rope so that you don't have to take equity when the valuation of your corporation is very small. I just helped a company to do that recently, and uh, they actually had to go back to their team and say, oh, we should have done this in the beginning, and now we don't like the valuation we have to take today, and we'd like to do it next year, and so on and so forth. So try to do that early on. And finally, if you're looking at later stage hires, they're putting less at risk. They're getting usually a paycheck that is of market value already and the bit of equity they might get in terms of options earning out over usually three or four years anyway. Those kinds of options are less valuable to those later stage employees. So now you have a sense of what this book looks like. I strongly suggest you take a look. The Founder's Dilemma by Noam Wasserman. I'll be putting a link to that uh, book inside our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash CEO coach podcast. Hope you'll stop by, hit the like button so I know you're out there and alive, and uh, do check out the information that's in there. This is Jillian Music at CEO Coach, hoping you'll download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, through iTunes, and of course, through our mobile app. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.